From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, good afternoon and thanks for tuning in. Today we're broadcasting from New Orleans, Louisiana, site of the Southern Baptist Annual Convention. I'll uh, be participating in a panel discussion later this evening addressing the state of religious liberty in America. I'll talk about that a little bit later. But first, coming up on this Tuesday edition of Washington Watch, earlier this afternoon, former President Donald Trump was indicted on 37 charges related to his handling of classified documents. We'll talk about the implications this could have on the 2024 presidential election and the evangelical vote. And speaking of voting, votes are taking place here at the Southern Baptist Convention. We'll talk about that. And we're also going to discuss the aggressiveness of those pushing the transgender ideology and the blatant effort to indoctrinate our children. This is stirring parents and it's stirring pastors to greater action. It's actually something being discussed here at the convention. I'll be joined by Pastor Brad Jerkovich, who launched the Conservative Baptist Network within the Southern Baptist Convention. He joins me in just a moment. And speaking of aggressiveness, lawmakers in California appear to have no limits in their ideological trans crusade. Earlier this afternoon, a state committee, in fact, they're hearing this right now, they're holding a hearing on a bill, AB 957, uh, you you won't believe what they're trying to do in the state of California. And don't think that it will stay within the borders of California. We're going to talk with Greg Burt. He is with the California Family Council a little bit later here on this edition of Washington Watch. FRC released a new report today exporting LGBT ideology, the Biden administration's foreign policy priority. We're going to talk to the author of that report, Ariel Del Turco. And here's a question for you. Does U.S. foreign policy that takes on a form of cultural colonialism impact the church and its ability to evangelize? We're going to have that conversation with David Clawson, director of the Center for Biblical Worldview here at the Family Research Council. Our word for today comes from Nehemiah chapter 11, the first two verses. Now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, and the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city while nine out of ten remained in the other towns. And the people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. You know, it took courage to live in the holy city, set apart for God. They had to live sanctified lives, submitted to God and scrutinized by others. They were willing to sacrifice their desires and the benefits offered by living among the majority for the greater purpose of serving God and others. You know, by the way, that's the same call for us today if we're going to occupy the kingdom of God. To find out more about our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org slash Bible. Well, joining us now to give us uh, an update on what is happening with uh, the indictment of former President Donald Trump, Lawrence Wilson, national politics reporter with Epoch Times. Lawrence, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. So give us a rundown of what took place this afternoon and how significant it was. Well, for the first time in our nation's history, a a former president was indicted on federal charges. Uh, This is not the first indictment for Trump, but those New York state charges are one thing. These are federal charges. That's something else. Uh, These are the laws that he was sworn to uphold, and it it gives a, a greater seriousness to this indictment very historic moment. He was arraigned at about 3 p.m. today at the, excuse me, federal courthouse in Miami. 37 charges related to the handling of federal documents, including supposedly, excuse me, quite a number of uh, secret, top secret uh, documents having to do uh, with our nation's defense. And the president uh, pleaded, former President Trump pleaded not guilty to all charges. He uh, remained mostly silent during the uh, arraignment, speaking only occasionally uh, with his attorneys. And uh, then he was released on his own recognizance and uh, is expected to speak tonight at his uh, golf club in Bedminster, uh, New Jersey. So, Let's. Uh, we're going to look later at the legal implications here and the substance and, and whether or not this is just more of the same. And this uh, this president, you know, constantly being alleged to have done something, and so far 
nothing has uh, has stuck to him. Let's talk political. What implications does this have for the 2024 presidential election cycle? Well, there's two ways to look at that. Um, in a legal sense, no implication whatsoever. Uh, there is no law requiring that the president of the United States uh, not have been indicted uh, on federal charges, not have been convicted, or not even that he not be in jail. So uh, this does not stop the Trump campaign. In fact, many observers believe that it's giving it uh, energy because, of course, it catapults uh, Trump to the top of the news cycle from now till who knows when. And it has really enlivened his base. It's also kind of rallied the support of some Republican leaders who had seemed to be saying, you know, we, maybe the Trump era is over, had been open to the idea of considering other candidates. But now, of course, there are uh, many of them, including, uh, for example, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Uh, attacking the DOJ uh, for this indictment, attacking the Biden administration for this. So in, it has galvanized some Republican leaders. In fact, uh, most of the presidential candidates for president on the Republican side have taken the same tack. Um, the, the Governor DeSantis uh, has decried this as a, a political uh, indictment. Uh, vowed that if elected, he would uh, uh, clean house at the DOJ. Uh, Nikki Haley, former governor of South Carolina, has said much the same. Only two of the candidates have actually used this as an occasion to attack Trump himself, and those are uh, former Governor Chris Christie and former Governor Asa, Asa Hutchinson. Uh, the rest have kind of said, well, uh, politically motivated prosecution is a bad thing, while everybody... Um, should follow the law, this indictment should not have been brought. So it's it's really kind of cast an interesting dynamic into the Republican primaries as even some of Trump's opponents mm -hmm. are supporting him, at least uh, opposing his uh, indictment. Yeah, it, it is going to be very interesting how this works out. Uh, Lawrence, thanks so much for taking uh, time to uh, to join us. My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, as I said, we're going to look more at the uh, the legal implications. But politically, it, I agree with what Lawrence is saying. It, it is uh, actually generating more support uh, to uh, re really it's the, it's the aggressive nature that we're finding of uh, the weaponization of the federal government. Well, join me now talking about votes. Join me now to talk more about uh, what is happening here in New Orleans at the Southern Baptist Convention. Pastor Brad Jerkovich, who is the pastor at uh, Bozier First Baptist in uh, actually Bozier, Louisiana. Brad, welcome back to the program. Hey, glad to be here, Tony. Appreciate all you do, my friend. So I, I, very quickly, uh, since we're talking about uh, the indictment of uh, former President uh, Donald Trump, your, your thoughts on that and its implication with evangelical voters? Well, obviously, I, I think you referenced it a moment ago. The reality of it is they've just been after this president time and time and time again. So Again, I think a lot of people are scratching their heads going, at some point, um, what's the credibility here with these kinds of assaults? I think a, a lot in the evangelical world, they have stood strong with him. They believe, look, he followed through with what he said he would yeah, do. Yeah, he did. So I, I'm not saying that that's just the end-all, be-all, but I do think there's a lot that go, man, you know what he'll do. Well, there were 50 congressional investigations into the Trump administration and into President Trump. Yeah. You know, you had the Russian hoax. You had... Yes. Uh, uh, Ukraine. That's you right. have all of these, and, and yep. they came up completely empty-handed. That's what I'm saying. I think there's just a credibility issue with all these assaults. I'm not saying that people can't be, you know, objective and rational with that, but it does come a point where, like, wow, again. Right. Well, and I, I think there's probably at the forefront of this is the idea that there's a double standard. Correct. A lot of people see that. They just look at all these other absolutely. Um, uh, open people to to prosecution is like nothing's been done. Yeah. So now we're going to go after this gentleman who's you know leading in polls or whatever it is in an election coming up. So let's talk about uh, talking about votes, talking about elections here in, yeah. uh, in New Orleans, Southern yeah. Baptist. What what issues are before the Southern Baptist? How many are here from uh, the the Baptist churches across the country? So we've got a, I want to say it's twelve thousand, twelve to thirteen thousand messengers who showed up. 
uh, in New Orleans. So they have an annual meeting every June. Uh, it's in New Orleans this year. So that was a pretty good jump uh, from about you know a month and a half ago. Where there was about five thousand. So, but there was no no one running against the incumbent SBC president. Well, there was a gentleman who put his name out there, willing to be nominated, named Mike Stone, pastor in Georgia, ran a couple years ago, won on the first round, but lost in the runoff by 300 votes when there were 16,000 people in Nashville. Um, and Mike Stone has just been willing to let his name be uh, nominated again. So he was nominated today. Um, that vote came down. You know, I, it's an uphill battle. It's close. There's a lot of issues with all that. But that's the biggest vote right so now. So what's really the what, – what, what are the issues at the forefront uh, this year with the Southern Baptist Convention? Well, again, you're wanting some clarity on things, Tony. You've got the largest, you know, Protestant denomination in the country, clarity. For example, where are we going when it comes to female pastors? That's a big issue regardless of the uh, issues that are happening with Rick Warren's church and him, you know, wanting all that to happen. But that's a big deal. You know, Mike Stone's been clear on that. I'm not saying the other incumbent president is unclear, but there's just a, anyway, there's just a drift going on there. Um, There's also this sexual abuse task uh, force reform uh, group that's been put together. And it's just, it's inserted a lot of uncertainty, um, you know, what's credibly accused and how people have been using that, Tony, within Southern Baptist life. A lot of Southern Baptists are deeply concerned about it and the millions of dollars of church money that has been given to this being used on a law firm that clearly was pro-LGBTQ. Why are we using that? All right. these things have been built up over the last couple of years. So let's talk about some of the issues. Uh, the resolutions usually tell a lot yeah. about what's on uh, on yeah. people's mind. Immigration, uh, one of those issues. And of course, the whole LGBTQ yeah. uh, agenda. Yeah. It's become more aggressive yeah. in terms of this indoctrination that we're seeing is is that something we're seeing some some significant pushback on from the Southern Baptist Convention? <laughs> I think there's a lot of pastors who are doing what they can. I'm not sure we've been as clear as we can be in Southern Baptist life about, you know, pushing back in the culture. I think we can be much stronger, much more focused. I think there's been some mixed messages bubbling up, percolating in Southern Baptist life where it's, uh, you know, this is their identity. As long as they don't act out on this, we've got to be sensitive to this community rather than simply calling them to Christ. And here's what Scripture calls us to be and about. So there's just a lot of something that's concerned about that. But again, Tony, as you know, it's a full-on assault in American life right now. And um, we need to be clearer on it. We need to be stronger on it. Um, I think a lot of pastors are very, very concerned. A lot of churches are. So we're trying but uh, we feel like there's been some uh, some uncertainty on, on by some leaders who've really accommodated the culture. Well, we're up against a break, but when we come back, I, I want to talk about some of the uh, some of those pastors who are stepping mm-hmm. forward in their local communities. Yeah. You being one of them, sure. actually uh, uh, holding last week, mm-hmm. you had a uh, a story out. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And pushing back on this whole drag queen story out, okay. trying to indoctrinate our children. You know, I think it's getting outside the four walls of the church, taking the truth and, and confronting the darkness. Yes, sir. It has to happen. So we're going to talk about that on the other side of the break. And, uh, and also what pastors need to do mm. to challenge their congregations to be more engaged. Looking forward to it. All right. Uh, folks, stick with us. Pastor Brad Jerkovitz is here in the next segment. And we're also coming up, we're going to get a report out of California on a unbelievable overreach of the state into the home. We're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk to you about a new report out today from the Family Research Council. That's coming up. Don't go away. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. 
Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipled their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. We're broadcasting on location in New Orleans, Louisiana, the site of the Southern Baptist Convention that's taking place right now. Well, President Biden hosted uh, the largest pride event in White House history last week. I mentioned this yesterday, raising the progressive pride flag. That's the ever-changing pride flag. They keep adding things to it. Well, they did this on the White House South Lawn, and the flag was on par with the United States flag. Now, that's you you don't do that. That's just not the proper protocol. The the American flag always flies higher. But this is a perfect demonstration of the priorities of this administration. Frankly, I don't think this president cares about the United States of America, our history or our future. Uh, He cares about pushing this leftist agenda that is designed to enslave our children and destroy our country. That's what I believe. And and so as Christians, you know, those who support biblical view of marriage, human sexuality in the family, what are we to do? I mean, you you see corporate America buying into this agenda, and I'm so thankful to see so many people pushing back. I don't necessarily think it's you know, all Christians responsible for what's happening to Bud Light. But, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe they're having some impact. A target, of course. Uh, But the left is relentless in pushing this agenda. But, again, I think I'm seeing parents, I'm seeing pastors, I'm seeing churches, I'm seeing Christians across the country saying, you know what, enough is enough. Continuing my conversation with uh, Pastor Brad Jerkovich, Senior Pastor of First Baptist Church in Bossier City, Louisiana. So let me ask you about this, uh, Pastor Brad. Have we reached a tipping point where people are saying enough is enough and the pendulum is swinging back? You know, Tony, I think so. I hope so. You see these signs percolating across the country. This trans movement, um, I'm with you. I, I put out on social media some thoughts about when I saw that flag from our White House, I just was like, my goodness, Lord. They, they they literally are assaulting our Christian foundation. They don't care about this country the way you and I have grown to value it and, and grew up with. Um, it's a full-on assault, and I think people are seeing that more and more, and they're going to take a stand, and they are on multiple fronts, and they need to. You know, I remember, Tony, years ago, do you remember when Ellen came out and said, yep, right. I'm gay, on the cover of People magazine, whatever. I remember being in North Carolina. I was in a grocery store, saw the magazine cover. It's a big deal. It's a big story. 
And I just asked the lady who was ca- uh, at the check register, cash register, and I said, ma'am, I'm just curious your thoughts. What do you think about that? She said, oh, you know, people can do whatever they want to do. And I said, okay, ma'am. Well, what happens when they start teaching your kids all that? And she said, oh, no, don't you touch my kids. I said, ma'am, where do you think this is going? I mean, that was in the yeah, mid to right. late 90s. And you think that's very – people are not ca- connecting those dots. They're not. But now they that we're here at yep. this point, that's right. they are saying, you know, enough is, is enough. And pastors are stepping forward. Yep. Talk a little bit about uh, what prompted you to do the storybook hour yeah. that you did last week. Well, I saw Kirk Cameron out there doing some story hours. You've seen these drag queen story hours and all these kinds of crazy things. And I saw Kirk Cameron doing that. Another pastor friend of mine. In North so Western. did you dress up like Moses or something? <laughs> you know? That would have been an awesome uh, outfit. At any rate, uh, no, I, I'll do that next time, Tony. Okay. But, you know, he, he challenged me. He said, Pastor Brad, why don't you out there with the Conservative Baptist Network do something to challenge pastors all across the country to do that. Go to your local library. So, Tony, I did. I just walked over there or, or went over to the library, walked into the office. I said, I'm a pastor at First Baptist Bossier. And I said, I'd like to do a story hour. She said, well, we'd, that'd be fine. And I said, I'm going to read one of these books from the Brave Book series, which is out there. Uh, the newest one that I just saw from Kirk Harris, Pride Comes Before the Fall. There's other incredible ones. And I said, I'd like to do this. She said, well, sure, we'd love to do it. I said, well, you know what? You've got a brand new library being built here in Bossier. What if we could get Kirk Cameron to come here and we do one there and when the new library opens this fall? She said, oh, we'd love to do that. You know, you never know until you try, Tony. Right. And I think people are hungry for that. And I, I got more response. I mean, we had a good attendance that day, but the broader response of going, oh, my gosh, way to go, Pastor Brad, for going out there. And the kids loved it. The families loved it. I think the library was blown away that we'd be that intentional. So I would encourage pastors. They have much more influence than they realize. And there's incredible resources that are engaging, that speak truth. It's amazing. So, so Pastor Brad, those are saying, you know what, I just don't want the conflict. <laughs> you know? Yeah. This idea of live and let live, that was a lie just yeah. like every other lie that the left has sold. Yeah. Ultimately... They're coming for the truth. They are. They want to extinguish the truth and the messengers of truth. Correct. Look, the reality of it is, Tony, the world, the lost world, who looks at us, who follow this one who died on a cross, was buried, and rose from the dead, they already think we're foolish. So everything, you know, we walk in light, not in darkness anymore. But my point is they don't want to have conflict. Well, at some point when you say Jesus is the only way to heaven, there's going to be conflict. So now you're simply addressing all the biblical truth out there. And, yes, there's going to be conflict. But you know what? People are looking for courage. That's right. one of the big things here in the uh, yeah. Southern Mass Convention. I asked one of the great leaders, Tony, of the conservative surgeons back in the 80s, what was the issue? Was it this issue, that issue? I thought it was an issue. He looked at me and said, no, man, it was courage. Yeah. That really is what it was. It's what it boils down to yeah. on every level. Every level. Is, is courage. Let's talk uh, very, very quickly. Just got a couple minutes left. Tonight, there's a panel discussion. Yeah. Um, I'm a part of that. This is the Conservative Baptist Network hosting this event tonight. Tell us about it. Yeah, so Standing for Freedom Center, Conservative Baptist Network hosting this event. Um, Twilight's Last Gleaming. Um, the featured guest is former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. And then this panel that you guys are a part of, Tony, which is fantastic. I mean, Pastor Tom Askell, Jack Graham is going to be there from Prestonwood um, and so forth. You're going to be there in these panels. This is an opportunity to bring clarity. I think, you know what's funny? Southern Baptists, Baptists in general, we're the ones that brought religious liberty, the very concept and principle to America. And we are, are we content to lose it? Of course not. And so I think having you there, a part of it, we've already got hundreds coming tonight. It's going to be at seven o'clock at the Hilton. It's an awesome opportunity for people to engage, learn, and grow. I'm sure it'll be uh, recorded and, and shared later. Thank you for being a part of that, Tony. Thank you for what you're doing. Southern Baptists need to be on the front lines of this, man. And so we're doing all we can. This is going to be a cool night to celebrate that as well. Well, we appreciate your leadership in um, bringing conservatives you bet. within the Southern Baptist yeah. Convention to bring that, you know, kind of recasting a vision, yes, a biblical vision yes, of truth and courageously defending and proclaiming that truth. Brad, always good to see you. Great to see you, Tony. Thanks for all you do, my friend. We'll see you tonight. You bet. All right. All right, folks, and we'll have information about how you might participate uh, participate in that uh, later. All right, coming up, a new bill proposed in California could have parents who don't support their child's gender identity charged with abuse. Yeah, you heard me right. If you don't affirm your child's chosen gender identity you could be charged with abuse and your child taken away talk about that next after the break don't go away more washington watch straight ahead
Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Again, go to frc.org worldview. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host, and we're broadcasting from the road in New Orleans, Louisiana, site of the Southern Baptist Annual Convention. And speaking of being on the road, next Wednesday we'll be in Des Moines, Iowa, uh, for a town hall meeting on life. In fact, all of our listeners there on 89.7 on the CSN radio network, we invite you to come out and be a part of that. I'm going to have more information later in the week on how you can be a part of that town hall meeting in Iowa on life. There's still a role for the federal government. There are a lot of leaders that are saying, oh, this is a state's issue. Yes, there's a role for the state, but there continues to be a role for the federal government. We're going to talk about that. Senator Lindsey Graham will be part of the panel discussion that I'll be uh, moderating along with uh, Marjorie Dannenfelser with us, Susan B. Anthony. And so anyway, more details to come on that. A measure making its way through the California State Senate, AB 957, could jeopardize parents' rights over their own children, their own children, if they don't affirm the minor child's selected gender identity. Now, failure to affirm under this measure could be seen as child abuse. California Senate hearing for the bill began about an hour ago. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Greg Burt, Director of Capital Engagement at the California Family Council. Greg, welcome to Washington Watch. Oh, thanks for having me, Tony. So give us the latest on this bill, where it stands, and what is proposed under this measure. Yeah, this bill has already made it through the Assembly, and so now it's in the Senate. Uh, Senate Judiciary Committee, as we speak, uh, they're having a debate on it right now. And this bill, what it particularly does, it, it's what it's, it's telling a, a family court judge that uh, protecting the health, the safety and welfare of a child, it requires a parent to affirm a child's gender identity, which, you know, is self-determined. And it means any age. Uh, this We're talking about three year olds, uh, toddlers, you know, young kids who uh, play make believe a parent will be required to affirm whatever gender identity they come up with. Um, and if they don't, they could lose custody of their kids. Now, this, as it started out, was to deal with custody battles, correct? Yes, it, we're, we're dealing with a family court. But, and the bill was recently changed um, to be more alarming because what it did is it said that your health, your safety and the welfare of a child um, is going to be put in jeopardy if a parent doesn't affirm. Now, those are the same words that are used uh, in uh, child abuse 
law, right? So right. even though this is dealing with custody, once you establish that uh, not affirming is going to threaten health, is going to threaten safety and the welfare of a child, what you're doing, you're setting a precedent that any any child that isn't affirmed could be taken based – that's what abuse is, right? Right, so right. So we are very See, this concerned. this is where the – as you should be. This is the incrementalism of the left. They understand this. They they get into a situation where where families are vulnerable in you know custody disputes. But by yeah. changing the California Family Code, you're, you're you're absolutely right. What this could do then by changing these definitions of health, safety, and welfare of a child, they can then come back later and apply this more broadly. And families then are on the defensive to try to say, wait a minute, no, 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 that, that's not the case. So it's, it's this incremental approach that the left always uses on these measures. So what kind of resistance are we seeing? Well, today we had a, a fairly large press uh, conference um, right before the bill. Now, we are gathering all kinds of various uh, groups. Uh, you know, we were there um, promoting religious liberty, but the, the Our Duty is another organization, Erin Friday. She's been a Democrat for the last 25 years. She is not particularly conservative, but on this issue, she is fighting for parental rights because her own parental rights were violated. Her child was secretly transitioned to school, and when she called to the school to complain, they called CPS on her, and a sheriff showed up at her front door. Right? This is happening in California at an increasing rate. Uh, they believe if you don't affirm that you are actually threatening your child because that child is going to automatically commit, uh, kill themselves, threaten suicide. Right. This is threatened to right. parents all the time. And now it's right. moving further into law. Um, yeah. So let, uh, very quickly, Greg, we're up against a break. But what sure. implications would this have for churches and, and maybe religious schools? Well, this thing about the First Amendment, it, it guarantees uh, – the right to uh, exercise your your freedom of religion. That means you could get to teach your own children uh, about gender. And there are many religions, including Christianity, that says gender is determined by biology. biology. So how is a parent supposed to affirm a child um, self-determined gender gender identity when their own belief system says, well, we we can't do that? That that really, it it says Christianity, uh, Islam, you know, conservative Judaism, your your views are a threat to children, and we are going to threaten you uh, with removal of your children if you don't change your well, beliefs. That, this is far, far reaching. People need to understand how significant this is. Uh, up against that break, Greg, but what do you anticipate? Will this bill come out of committee and onto the full Senate floor? I expect it. Uh, you know, it's probably being voted on right now. Uh, I expect it will pass, and then it will go on the full floor. Uh, the whole nation needs to speak up about this because this is this is where it's all going, right? What starts yeah. here is going to spread to other states, and this is this is the this is the hill we cannot we have to die on. We cannot let them take our kids. This is completely illegal. Yeah. It violates the Constitution, and we need to speak up loud and clear that we are not going to allow yeah. this. Greg Burt, thanks so much for uh, joining us. We'll continue to track this. Thanks. And folks, if you live in California, it's AB 957. So contact your members of the state assembly out there and your state senators. All right. When we come back, we're going to take a look at what the Biden administration has been up to in foreign policy with a new report out by the Family Research Council today. I'm joined by the author of the report next. Don't go away. Are you prepared to pray, vote and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to PrayVoteStand.org. Again, that's PrayVoteStand.org.
Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded communities. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories, and commentaries, all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day, ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged. Be in the know. And stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. All right, welcome back. We are broadcasting from the road in New Orleans, Louisiana, site of the Southern Baptist uh, Annual Convention down here. Uh, Also today, we... The Family Research Council released a report exporting LGBT ideology to Biden administration's foreign policies priorities. Ever since President Joe Biden took office in 2021, and you know, look, you can say this is um, you know political rhetoric, but you can look at the record. It's it's objective. It's there. I mean, you you cannot see this president speak without advancing, without talking about transgenderism in this whole perverse sexual agenda that the left is pushing to enslave and trap and destroy our children. That's what it is. I'm just going to be very straightforward. It's what it is. It, it is driven from the pit of hell, and it's designed to enslave our children and drag them into hell. That's what this is about. And that's why it's time that we stand up and we begin to fight for our children Fight for our homes, our families, our future, for the truth. Well, this report from the Family Research Council that came out today shows how this administration, the LGBT ideology, is not just something they're pushing here at home in our schools, not just something that, you know, trying to redo women's sports and all this other stuff. They're actually, this is being pumped out from the State Department all across America. President Biden and his State Department, they're using your tax dollars to force this ideology on poor nations who are desperate for American aid dollars, essentially engaging in cultural imperialism against countries that have no interest in flying the pride flag or redefining marriage or human sexuality. They have traditional values, and this flies in the face of what they believe and what they want for their children, and for their country. Joining me now to discuss this important report is one of its co-authors, Ariel Del Turco, who is our director of the Center for Religious Liberty. Ariel, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to see you. Thank you for having me, Tony. All right, so tell us about what you and your co-author, Chris Gasick, found and established in this report. Yeah, so I had the idea for this report. Um, I have years of experience tracking international religious freedom, and I watched uh, great policies unfold under the Trump administration and Secretary of State Pompeo that really pushed uh, religious freedom around the world. They spoke up on behalf of the persecuted. Um, And after President Biden came into office, I just saw all of that fall off. 
And where I saw the attention redirected was to the LGBT issue, to pushing LGBT policies on uh, countries around the world who have no interest in it, who don't want it. Yet at the same time, a lot of them rely on America's friendship, uh, America's alliance, uh, America's foreign assistance. So that is a lot of leverage for the Biden administration to use to coerce countries around the world to start adopting some of these radical LGBT policies. So when my co-author and I uh, took a look at what the Biden administration was doing, what we found was really a systematic effort to infect all aspects of American foreign policy uh, with LGBT policies. So they're tying the adoption of these policies, which which we don't even accept in the United States. Many states are pushing back, just like we're seeing with uh, nearly 20 states now saying, no, we're not going to allow experimental surgeries on minors. They're saying they're pushing this in our foreign policy and they're linking it to foreign aid. Is that right? Absolutely. And the Biden administration is using uh, our human rights apparatus. We're using the State Department's human rights report to condemn other countries who have not embraced pro-LGBT policies like marriage, like legal gender recognition, which basically they want all of these countries to allow people to identify their own uh, gender on birth certificates and uh, driver's license. They're condemning countries for um, failing to adopt very radical policies that we adopted very recently. And as you said, this isn't even settled in the United States, yet we're being hypocritical by uh, taking many of these policies that we adopted very recently and holding the world to this standard. And I think Americans right. would be very surprised at just how radical the United States is on many of these LGBT policies. Uh, most of the world, m most of the world's population lives in countries uh, that doesn't even affirm same-sex marriage. So we're looking at very different cultures that really don't appreciate this kind of ideological colonialism from the Biden administration. Yeah, what, what's interesting about that Ariel, that I, I discovered was at my time at the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom and what the State Department, as this, you mentioned Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who, who actually was the first to advance religious freedom as a number one foreign policy objective, but the resistance was so intense at the State Department because what they, the left has been doing is using the State Department to, to push this um, ideological um, agenda, this leftist agenda, out into foreign countries only to have it come in the back door through the United Nations and say, well, everybody else is doing it. We got to do it, too. And, and you're absolutely right. America is an outlier on on many of these policies when you look uh, globally. So uh, what was the most alarming thing that you saw when you went through this report? What, what would you say? Wow, I had no idea. I think just how insidious this is throughout the administration. Uh, you mentioned the State Department personnel. Uh, they really do have a secular worldview. Uh, first of all, doesn't understand religion, doesn't understand the importance of religious freedom, and at the same time is a very motivated for these leftist social causes. Uh, we see uh, in U.S. embassies around the world, at least 49 embassies that have staffers participate in pride parades and marches. And we've heard just from our connections with other pro-family activists around the world uh, that these activists are very disheartened when they see the U.S. embassy uh, participating in pride marches in their countries. For them, what it sends is that the strongest country in the world, the United States, is marching through their capital city, and we're supporting uh, an agenda that condemns their laws, that says, listen, your laws are not progressive enough, your laws are not Western enough, uh, they're not secular enough, whatever the case may be. Uh, it's really, really condescending, and they feel that. Final question for you, Ariel. Where can folks go to, uh, to read a copy of this report? Yeah, they can read the report at frc.org slash exportingpride. All right, Ariel Del Turco, great job. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you.
And, and folks, you can you can also go to TonyPerkins.com. It's under the resources for today's program. So I'm going to continue the conversation on this because, you know, some say, all right, well, that's foreign policy. It doesn't really matter to me. It should. Uh, as I just talked about, there's this loop where they push this stuff out, try to infect other countries, make this kind of the theme at the United Nations and then say, well, we're out of step with the rest of the world, which is a, is a lie. It's, 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 it's all fabricated. But there are some significant implications when we talk about evangelizing and missions and how this impacts us as Christians, both here and abroad. Join me now to talk about this, David Clawson, Director of the Center for Biblical Worldview here at the Family Research Council. David, uh, welcome back to the program. Good to see you. Good to see you. So uh, the report where it talks about how this is really a top priority, what a change from the previous administration where, you know, Mike Pompeo had stated religious freedom was the number one foreign policy here. Arguably, it, it's 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 probably a, a competitive race between abortion and the LGBT ideology. Why should Christians care about that? This is a great question, Tony. And to the last question you just asked, Ariel, kind of what surprised her most about the report that her and our colleague Chris Gasick worked on? For me, it was just the scale. Uh, seeing how much the Biden administration is getting behind this. 132 embassies putting out pride statements, 99 embassies waving pride flags and other leftist flags, even the the one, uh, the, our embassy in the, the Vatican, right across the street from where the Pope uh, lives right there, it just in, the, in your face. And I think where I realized how significant, and we, you know I talk about this a lot, Tony, that elections have consequences. Yeah. And by the way, during the Trump administration, when Pompeo was Secretary of State, that was not authorized. Yeah, I, I, and there were, I think there were maybe two embassies put it up, and, and, but they were, you know, kind of uh, rebels that was not yeah. authorized. I think the phrase that I think is important for every Christian to think about is one that I think you used at the top of the program, is this really is a form of ideological and cultural uh, imperialism. Uh, I remember last year when I got to go to Guatemala and, and meet with the right. president of Guatemala, right. had a conversation with him about the pro-life issue. And one of the things that him and the, the folks that were part of his staff shared with me was how difficult it was for them to take a clear stand on the life issue or issues related to marriage and sexuality because so much foreign aid money that they're dependent on for just basic programs uh, in their country is dependent on U.S. dollars. And so then when you have the Biden administration through the State Department uh, basically bullying them to adopt social policies that are out of step with the vast majority of the people in their countries, right. they kind of feel that their hands are being tied and they kind of have to go along with it. I've had many conversations, uh, not only with Guatemala, but other countries, uh, Islamic countries even, where they uh, are being forced to do these things in order to receive the, the foreign aid, right. which, as you said, many of these countries are, are dependent upon. Now, I, I think this is why it's actually not a good idea to have so much foreign aid going out there, because when you have leftist administrations like this, uh, they use our own tax dollars to push an agenda that runs counter to everything we believe in. And then when you think about how this Im has an implication on our foreign missionaries, yes. And, and that's a key point, Tony. I think what, when I was in Guatemala talking to those officials, I could tell there was a bitterness uh, towards the United States uh, because of these leftist policies that they felt were being crammed down their throat. And so when American missionaries try to enter these countries to share the gospel, the people in charge of approving visas and passports and things like that are going to be much less likely to allow Westerners and Americans to come into their country to, to freely talk about their faith. It's interesting. Here at the Southern Baptist Convention, one of my favorite parts of the convention is when the International Mission Board introduces the missionaries that are going to go serve on foreign fields. Uh, this year, it's 79 uh, Southern Baptist missionaries. And over half of those missionaries, Tony, uh, they had to obscure their images uh, because they, didn't, they couldn't reveal what countries they're going to just because those are countries uh, where it's illegal or dangerous uh, for the gospel to be uh, openly proclaimed. And it does raise the question, uh, it, it, I think it creates security issues for some of our Christian missionaries uh, going to these countries uh, because it's no longer, I think, an advantage to be seen as an American Right. missionary when you're seen as someone who might just be smuggling in uh, ideologies and beliefs 
that run counter to the cultural values of that country. Right. You know, the the enemy, and I'm talking about our spiritual enemy, will use th- these things in different ways. I mean, there are, are countries that are spiritually dark, uh, but yet they they hold these cultural views that have traditional morality with right. them. And so they see what's coming from the United States as this infusion of values that is seeking to disrupt them uh, and, and disrupt their way of life. And and, and so it, it's interesting to, to see the spiritual forces at work. But as, a, as Americans, you know, as Christians in America, we need to to work to see not only these values respected here at home, but if we're going to ship anything out of this country, if we're going to export anything, it ought to be biblical truth. It ought to be, Tony. And I think this just, you know, whether it's the judges issue that most people aren't thinking about come election time uh, or the values that are being exported around the country, because let's just face it, under the previous administration, this was not what was being exported into our embassies uh, around, you know, 100 plus countries around the nation. And so elections have consequences. And so if you care about your neighbor, like Jesus tells us that we ought to, that we have to care about elections because it does impact what values are exported. So let's unpack that in the two minutes we have (laughs) left. If you care about your neighbor, if you are salt in your light and you're going to be light, you need to be concerned about elections. What does that look like? I think it looks like getting involved in every level of elections, including federal elections. Uh, you know, the, the, it means being registered. It, it means being registered. It means being informed. It means uh, actually voting. It means telling your friends and family how they can vote. And it could mean running for office. Running for office yourself, because you're not just voting for a president. It could mean giving money to a political candidate. Who's there's, there's a whole host values. of issues, absolutely, yeah. and including for pastors, uh, making sure that your pastors ha- are having their consciences formed. Uh, through by Scripture on the issues that the Bible speaks to, which is a host of issues. And that could mean pastors speaking about the issues and about the candidates and challenging their people to vote. That's right. Amen. All the above. All of the above, Tony. All right. David Clausen, <laughs> always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Tony. Folks, I mean, it, it, the country is in the shape that it's in because evil never stands still. And unfortunately, too many who know the truth have stood on the sidelines. It is time that we move off the sidelines. As I've said many, many times, our republic was not made for spectators. It was made for participants. And we must do our very best to bring truth to the debate through through being present, through being courageous, and not being fearful of what may be said about us or anything else. We need to stand firm and stand true. All right, until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.